do for you now a scene from the hit motion picture Shrek. You ready? Okay. Why don't you get away from me, donkey? What you talk about get away from you? Well, the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of A Ogre. Teletoker. I'm usual host Will, and joining me, as per usual, is my good buddy Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey there, Will. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm excited to be back. We took a month off, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. First, we got to introduce our good friend Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey. Uh, yeah, so if you listened to our August episode, you probably realized that uh, we did a switch em up. So Generation VHS took over last month's episodes, talked about the Master of Skies, and we were on the most recent episode of Generation VHS to discuss Kangaroo Jack. So uh, it's good to be back in our headquarters, our regular abode, but it was also fun to... Treehouse. Yeah, our little, uh, our little corner of the sun. Our nest. So, yeah. Uh, whatever uh, phrase... This is a treehouse? Yeah, it's been... I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we're back, and it's September, so you know what that means. Chris, tell them what that means. Conspiracy theory episode. Yes, usually some of our most fun episodes. So uh, without further ado, uh, I guess, I don't know, do we want to start with Chris? Uh, I I don't know what else we could really delay or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> the first thing I noticed uh, is in the opening sequence, um, when uh, quote unquote Bo Derek is uh, robbing mm-hmm. the place, uh, she strikes a as a Jesus pose as she's flying off the um, off the uh, the balcony yes. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just wrote, "Is Bo Derek Jesus?" <laughs> off to a great start. I don't really <laughs> I don't really have anything else to add to that. It's just kind of like, hey, I've been Jeez. with the release of the Matrix Four trailer. I've been, you know, reading into a lot of Matrix theories, so I got a lot sure. of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus motifs uh, drilled into my head. Um, so it kind of just, I'm just, I'm just primed to, uh, to, to see Jesus in in different things. Um, so, do you guys remember? Did you guys see um, Repo Men, the Jude Law, Forrest Whitaker movie? A long time ago, yeah. You know, I got the second half of the movie is entirely in his head because he was plugged into a simulation. Uh, Sure, spoilers, but okay. (laughs) The movie's like a decade old. Calm down. Yeah, 10 years is the the statute of limitations on spoilers. (laughs) I've got this... I've got this... uh, This whole theory going of, like, the... We talked about how how fake and set-looking the entire uh, street is, and... I think that uh, this whole movie is um, inside of Pistachio's head. I, either that or, okay, it's one of two things. Either it's a simulation like at the end of Repo Men or like the Matrix or whatever. Because all this fantastical stuff happens like he's got his totally normal life. And, you know, all of a sudden all this crazy stuff is happening. Uh, the second uh, option is that this is a Truman Show style situation where... Mm. Um, because, it, again, the way everybody reacts to him is very suspect, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like what what man would look at you in the middle of a busy street and say, "Hey, pistachio, why don't you use one of your funny voices and cheer the boy up?" Yeah, obviously that, an actor, right? Yeah, I mean, someone that's clearly clued into the fact that you know the reality is not what he perceives it to be. You're saying that he basically indulges pistachio uh, like everyone else in this world because that that explains why everything is off kilter and doesn't make a lot of sense. Exactly. Uh, do you guys hear like a, a phone ringing? Yeah, I thought that I was just in my head. There it is again. Uh, um, h- hello? Oh, sweet Jesus, I finally found you. Is this an ain't ogre till it's ogre? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I didn't know we, we had callers. Uh, can I ask who is calling? Uh, my name is uh, Dale Johnson, a uh, longtime viewer. Uh, okay. And uh, I, I just got to get a couple things off of my chest. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Wow, Dale. Hi, yeah. Dale hi, Johnson. Dale. Welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I just, I've been doing a watch along with all your movies and everything like that. Let me just tell you a couple things. Um, so, uh, last night while I was pontificating to my beautiful wife, Stephanie, about uh, this movie, uh, The Master of Disguise, I, uh, well, uh, let's just say that, uh, Whenever I saw Todd Garner as an executive producer on there, my red flag went up. It went straight up. But I won't get into that for the time being. Oh, okay. I was going to ask why that was, but... um, Really? You're saying... Okay. You call yourselves conspiracy theorists and you don't know the name Todd Garner. I guess I don't, yeah. Do you know that name, Chris? Uh, He produced uh, Paul Blart, didn't he? Perhaps. Uh, uh, I see another conspiracy fellow was on this podcast as well. Oh, nice. You made a friend, Chris. So, we're just, I'm just going to... Some of my musings that have been really gnawing at me for the past, I don't know, maybe 24 to 48 hours. Uh, 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 Chris, you were you were talking about uh, Bo Derek, correct? Yeah. So... How did he even hear that? <laughs> Don't question my methods. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so you were talking about Bo Derek, and uh, well, you almost hit the nail on the head with the system. Uh, what it actually was was it was showing that uh, well, cultural appropriation because Bo Derek does have dreadlocks in the scene. Well, that is true. And as a as a white woman, we can't we can't be having that, and that's why she got caught. Did she get caught? No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Wow. Well, there is a lot of, I mean, to your credit, there is a lot of cultural appropriation or, like, you know, some questionable racial racial stuff. I mean, obviously, the big one would be uh, Prince Lama Jami. Prince Lama Jama. Or Lama Jama from, from, like, the middle section. Uh, Um, Is it? Okay. I see nothing wrong with Prince Lama Jama, if I'm being 100 percent honest with you. Nothing. That, that's a that's a a, a bold reaction that's to I will yeah, bold yeah. stance. <laughs> now, um, I, I mean, I grew up with a poo, so a, it's a, the a, same a back from the uh, the from Simpsons, the yeah. from Samson's correct. Nahasa Pisa Petal. I think you said the poo. I also thought you said the poo. Interesting upbringing. Uh, but yes, uh, continuing on, um, can I just say, I think the greatest, the greatest 
performance in this movie has to go to Vince Vaughn as his cameo as the secondary waiter. Uh, well, we should clarify. I, I don't know that actor's name off the top of my head, unfortunately, but I think you're referring to Rex, uh, the bully slash co-worker of Pistachio. Um, he does look a lot like Vince Vaughn, but we should clarify that is not Vince Vaughn of uh, old school and swingers fame. <laughs> Unless it's Vince Vaughn in disguise. Well, that's a big question. Yeah, that, that can get into... Do you have a conspiracy about I, that, uh, Dale? Well, first of all, it could be him in disguise. But let's just let's let's be real here. That is not Dana Carvey. That is someone pretending to be Dana Carvey. Oh, oh okay. So you're, interesting. You're saying he Dana Carvey himself is in is a master of disguise, and that he is not who he perceives himself to be. Exactly. Oh man. One hundred percent. This goes oh, deeper wow. than we thought. Oh, my friend. That's a, good, I'm, that's a good point. I mean, what if Dana Carvey is playing everybody in the movie except for himself? <laughs> yes. 100%. Yes. You're starting to scratch the tip of the iceberg here. It goes It goes even deeper. This is 100%. why we couldn't get a hold of Jennifer Esposito for uh, a guest, because she doesn't exist. She's Dana Carvey in disguise. She's a creation of <laughs> she's one of wow. she's one of Dana Carvey's characters. <laughs> oh yes, exactly. Church lady, uh, Jennifer Esposito, the whole nine yards. He can do anybody and anything. <laughs> so many written down pieces. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I mean, since you're here, yeah, just gonna break down like some of your bigger uh, theories. I guess uh, we have you on the line after all. Yeah, I don't know. I see a couple helicopters going out around outside, so I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to... Uh, surely it's unrelated. I don't think anyone would really... Uh, but uh, I don't want to, uh, to to belittle what you're commenting. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, let's see here. Um, oh, see. One of the most famous lines... From this movie is the one where he goes, "This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do." Yeah. Yes. Very popular line. So they're already trying in 2001 to 2002 curtail free speech. Oh wow. Mm. And to tell you the truth, I mean, my wife does that to me eight to nine times a day, and it's getting real. Stephanie. Stephanie. Yes. Oh, I thought it was Tiffany. Mm. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, just, I wrote down a note of Dale, Dale's wife's name is Stephanie. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. So it, it, it entered the popular phrases of that time. Some might even say um, everybody was doing it from like '01 to '03, and it really detailed the free speech of this uh, great, great United States. Uh, speaking of which, we continue on down a little bit more to some more of my musings. Um, so, this one's kind of a softball one, but let's be honest here. They proved in this movie that Lincoln stole his, section ele- his second election win over uh, General McClellan. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it's true. We don't usually see negative portrayals of uh, Abraham Lincoln in American media. Exactly. And, well, let's just be honest here. Uh, Lincoln won of the... Uh, oh. That one Yeah! 
Jeez, he's uh-huh. quite an animated fellow here. Yeah. Oh, he's back. Well, while you're finding those notes, uh, Matt, did you want to break down any of your theories? Uh, I, I can I can do a quicker one while he's looking. Sure. Um, this is just a brief one uh, that I'll jump to the end of the movie. Uh, okay. Whenever Grandpa, when they do the hologram thing and Grandpa is like, this is a pre-recorded hologram. Mm-hmm. We've discussed this scene before. Why does he say it's a pre-recorded hologram if he then interacts with the people that are there and my guess on that and this is going to be one of those things where i probably give the movie more credit than it deserves um one of the rules at the beginning of the movie is that grandpa can't help pistachio get his parents back okay so he's pretending to be a pre-recorded hologram so that they can skirt around that rule but it actually is just a call to him and it's not pre-recorded so that, that would make that, more sense than him as a pre-recorded hologram, knowing every manner and speech, including Barney Breaker breaking yeah. the, the conversation. And uh, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm giving the movie probably more credit than it deserves, but that it's a it's a I get a no prize for that. I feel like. Sure. Uh, is Dale. Are you still here, Dale? Yeah, I found it. I had okay. to get I had to pull up the elections results of uh, the 1864 United States presidential election. So naturally. Gotta let oh, that way back machine. Exactly. <laughs> but you all don't keep the electoral college counts on your kitchen table. Um, uh, not not of late. I just moved actually, so I don't, I don't have that on me. <clears throat> They're in a box somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So uh, Lincoln got two hundred and twelve electoral votes. George B. McClellan got twenty-one. How long? Is the Lincoln scene in the Master of Disguise? Twenty two minutes uh, and twelve seconds. Twenty one seconds. I'm talking about the actual where it's they helped out Lincoln. Oh, the actual snippet oh, wow. itself. A little, little food for thought for you. Uh, is it 122 seconds? No, it's probably 20 seconds. It's a real quick joke. Okay. 21 seconds. I mean, it's actually 21.8. Look, I. I'll round down just for the sake of it. All right, good job, Matt. Thanks. Oh man, so we're learning a lot about, uh, I guess, the government and uh, the lies. <laughs> so the the master Dale, what you're telling us is that the master of disguise is the truth. One hundred percent. You know, wow. There hasn't been a real election since 1864 because, well. Lincoln was assassinated, and, well, Johnson was after it. And just to tell you the truth, Johnson's presidency, since his president died, was null and void. So every election post-1864 has been null and void. Wow. Wow. And you're saying, like, this is the first movie, American movie, to actually break that down and and reveal it. Exactly. Reveal the facade, basically. Exactly. Uh, known ally who are a little bit here. Um, Sydney Gannis. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Sydney Gannis broke it down. He he made sure to convey all of our ideologies through his produ- uh, through him producing this. 
He's a good man. Never returns any of my calls. Uh, well, that's that's a shame. But I'm glad he's a good man. Uh, do you have any other theories, or do you want us to kind of bring around the table? I'm sure you have a bunch, bunch of theories. I don't even know what I'm saying. Oh, no. This is a beat in the minds. If you, if you want to... Uh... You know, share your ideas, please, and help further the the truth of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so I I had similar to you, uh, Dale, and I guess Chris. I, I had the idea that uh, this movie does seem to be, in some respects or another, kind of about simulation theory, as far as like what we perceive reality to be. Like, you know, this is coming off the Matrix and all these different, uh, you know, Philip K. Dick. As stories, but I think because this movie, you know, everything about everything is like what we believe to be the truth is not the truth. Uh, we have, you know, constantly that symbol with the eye, like for the Illuminati, constantly, you know, watching us. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's kind of in our face and throughout the film, you know, there, it does seem to, to kind of confirm, you know, like that we are in a world full of lizard people and we can't even be trusted. Even our founding fathers can't be trusted, as Dale was saying. And I think having known conspirator, Jesse Ventura in the movie seems to kind of uh, confirm that, like, you know, tip of the cap. Yeah, but because it's not a big sci-fi film, people don't take its theory seriously, and that's and I think the government's been kind of trying to bury this film to because they know it's the truth, and that's why it's kind of hard to find. I mean, it almost feels like this movie um, <clears throat> kind of got uh, commandeered by outside forces. Like, it started out as as um, you know what we're talking about with this 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 uh, simulation theory and and a really big like I mean um, remember you know that Julian Assange movie The Fifth Estate um, it's all about the secrets in the government and stuff and then um, and and Happy Ma- or uh, yeah Happy Madison ha- really had something going on here and then all of a sudden the government stepped in and said no you're gonna turn this into a PG rated uh, goofy you know silly movie because these secrets can't get out. Amen, one hundred percent. Amen, brother. So there's a couple musings on that. First of all, uh, while Jesse was at one point a very large part of our movement, uh, he's kind of fallen out of the the uh, limelight. He 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 has an Apple phone, so they already know where he is. Uh, and I, he was governor. He was part of what we are trying to expose. He joined the enemy, is what you're saying. Exactly. The Matrix. What is the Matrix? I'm sorry, I don't watch any of those artsy films. Oh, uh, Matrix is kind of you know kind of just about like the idea of like simulation theory and the idea that that the world we're living in is actually like a pre-recorded you know like video and that we've been permanently trapped in 1990 or something like that. Shame. Okay. You think that sounds too far fetched? Yeah, a little bit. I'm not gonna okay. lie. I, I draw the line Fair at enough. I draw the line at lizard people, but not okay. computers. Okay. Well, you have your. You limits. know, I. I actually have some evidence to this movie being in like a Truman Show type thing, possibly. Uh, the character Bernardo, who is at the beginning of the movie, who tells Pistachio, "Do some of your little voices for the kid." Mm-hmm. Right. Um is played by Barry Bernardi, who is a producer of this movie, and mm. several others. And, and mayhaps a producer of the simulation. Exactly. And I I think um, one example of the like 
the simulation kind of breaking is it's the characters of Trent and Rex because they're just. Like I have a theory two, about them too, but we'll get to that. They're like too similar for its own good, and I think that's like yeah. a break in the simulation because like they basically produce the same man but twice, and in the movie they, once they both date the same lady too. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not the same lady. It, uh, both the pistachios. Yes, they. No. Oh no! You're, oh yeah! 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 yeah. No! Yeah, you are right. Yeah, they both are um, the love cakes lady. They date the yes. Tush Queen. Yeah, the Tush Queen. Yes. And that's not like you know, like her butt is like comically big, <laughs> and that's that's also the simulation kind of busting because we should it, call her by her name, which is Sophia. <laughs> so Sophia. She's, Sophia's butt is so big because uh, somebody somebody missed a, a digit in the line of code. Yeah, I like to think <laughs> this movie. It is a simulation theory if it just broke. And then, like everything's this just kind of like going awry. Failed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wasn't wasn't that a thing with like the original Tomb Raider, where they messed up a line of code and made her yes. chest huge? They're like, yeah, yes. leave it in. And everyone was like, exactly, Let's keep yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think happened. Is that her character is just like she had like a normal uh, dertier at one point, and then like the simulation just fuck or just got uh, messed up, and uh, it just you know made her bottom comically huge. And she doesn't know any better because she's just ones and zeros. So, yeah. You know, I have a question about her that could lead to a theory, perhaps. Um, why does she come by the restaurant to tell Pistachio, a guy that she met the night before at a bar, mm-hmm. that she's not interested? Like, couldn't she have just called? It just it seems suspicious to me. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and she does yeah. show up at weird moments. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dale, do you have any thoughts on um, what's her character's name? Sophia. Sophia. <laughs> okay. Sophia. Well, a couple of different things are floating around in my head right about now. Uh, number one. Naturally. Number one, she comes in at multiple times because it's the government's. She is actually a government agent. Okay. Mm. We don't see anything about her home life or anything, so that 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 does make sense. Exactly. All she does is she goes home after she's done talking to uh, Pistachio, sit down, and just watch television and do nothing. And 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 she she knows that she can gain the upper hand on him because she has uh, something that my wife calls a uh, a donk a donk one of those things. And. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, well, let me tell you what, it is powerful, gentlemen. I, I, I have to wipe the sweat from my brow every time I watch this movie, but it is powerful. Yeah, so, I mean, the movie seems to believe that, like, butts have, like, a uh, mind-melting effect, as we see in the end credit scene, where Pistachio is, like, being uh, brainwashed, basically, by a woman's, a bunch of women's big b- bottoms. Exactly, exactly. So I was talking to uh, one of my fellow conspiracy theorists, uh, Duncachino. And, oh, Duncachino. Uh, Duncachino. Uh, and he was uh, he was actually bringing it up about her, how she almost kind of like, you know, in a lot of the scenes that she's in, kind of almost like a, a fly on the wall where, like, you see her in frame, but she doesn't say anything. She only listens. Yeah, I mean, that, a lot of food for thought here, I have to admit. I mean, we're really getting into I, – I think we're getting to the truth finally of this film after, you know, how many episodes? Eight. Uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, Dale, you got any other theories there that you feel we need to discuss? We haven't even talked about the Turtle Club scene, if you're ready 
to break down oh. that mammoth of a scene. Dear Lord, let me get out the big book. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's uh, a big, uh, you know, we've talked about mm-hmm. how before um, this scene was filmed around uh, 9-11 in 2001. Uh, we now just yes. passed the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I watched a movie on 9-11. Uh, I don't know about you or Chris. I watched it this morning, the oh, 12th. Okay. I watched it on the on 9-11, yeah. Okay. Well, wow. Well, you're the odd man out here, Matt. I feel like a fool. I was too busy watching the Muppets yesterday. But, uh, Dale, you got the book? Do you have the book on hand? Yes, I do. Hold on. All right. <laughs> okay. You know, speaking of books, I while he's getting that ready, uh, the intro sequence book that I don't like, um, I here's a theory. That book is the guest book at the Turtle Club. <laughs> <laughs> that could make Yeah, I mean, that would... it looks like that. <laughs> I could see that. Totally. Um, and also, I mean, that kind of adds, like, a weird, like, in the simulation theory, the idea of, like, there's a book that has all the answers and all this stuff. That's, yeah. It's a little it has, too neat. It tells you who all the directors yeah. and actors are. Do you think that's a mistake, or do you think that's something the programmers put in there to, like, kind of, like, have the characters figure it out? It's supposed to be a background object that nobody looks at, but if you look at it, it is, in fact, like an Easter egg that can tell you the truth okay. do you, of what's going on. Do you think that's kind of key to like the whole simulation breaking down throughout the movies that the characters have found this this all-knowing Someone book? Someone comes across the book? Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I'd like to hear what Dale's thoughts are, though, once he has his oh, book ready. Lord. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. So let's start off with the obvious one. Uh, he says turtle 18 times in the entirety of this scene. Yes. So if you times each one of the 18 times he says turtle by 5.77777777 rounding, of course, uh, that is how long it took the Twin Towers to fall. Okay. He was warning us about the impending doom. Dale, why 5.7 repeating? Why that number? Uh. <laughs> where, like, where did you get that figure? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think we broke Dale. Uh, Dale, are you are you are you crying? is a very special number because that is in asked how long George a, uh, George W. Bush read My Little Goat to those kids. So it all oh, makes sense. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Well, see, that's all you had to explain. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just all okay. those brave Americans. Yeah. No, no, uh, I, I, I do have to kind of push back on this because... Uh, as we found out recently, so we were under the impression that uh, this scene was filmed on the the day of 9-11, but it was actually filmed, I guess, two weeks afterwards. There's an article that came out this past week from Defector.com, mm-hmm. and they were talking, yep. and they, they got uh, the director of the film, Perry uh, Anderson Blake, if I'm not mistaken. And, I think so. And I believe they were doing like pre-production work in the early morning the day and night. Yeah, they were sc- they were supposed to be scouting locations, I think. And uh, they actually 
help production off for, I think, two weeks, and then this is the first scene they were planning to shoot, shoot uh, after this, like, uh, internal period. Oh, this was just the first scene, period. Yeah. Uh, we don't have confirmation about whether or not Dana Carvey was in uh, costume. When oh, they, no, they said they said he was. When they did the moment of silence. But he yep. apparently was saying, as a, uh, Dale, you were suggesting that, like, he had a speech where it's like, it seems weird that we're starting to work on this movie, but I think there's some time that we maybe need a bit of humor in our society, in our country, and especially for the kids in our country, which this is probably such a hard time for them. There's something good about us coming together to make a movie that can make kids laugh and bring a little bit of happiness. So let's try to do that. And so I guess that's actually, I mean, despite what we believed uh, before, I guess that was actually what happened. So that, that, that does admittedly put a little bit of a wrench into a, your uh, theory there, but I will let you speak on the behalf, Dale. You sheeple. Let me tell you why. <laughs> you sheeple. Hey, well, he's calling you out. All right. You actually believe anything written anymore? My goodness. I haven't believed anything written since, oh, let's go with 97. 97. How old are you, Dale? Uh, at least That's 30. Cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, I, I haven't read anything since 97, and I will be gosh darned if I do, and I believe some, uh, what was the name of the publication that uh, you uh, uh, quoted with this uh, newfound evidence? Uh, I believe it's called Defector.com. Yeah, Defector. False. That's all I'm going to say. False. false. Sounds like they're defecting from the truth, Dale. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Exactly, Uh, Matt. Brian Feldman, apparently, is the uh, author of this article. Well, okay. nope. <laughs> okay. Who actually wrote this, you, in your opinion, uh, Dale? Mm, I don't know. One of them, uh, uh, one of them uh, government spy people. Uh, probably, uh, okay. well, there's three that I've come across in my time that have actively tried to dissuade me from going. You think this is like a big brother thing, like, like some corporate guy just wrote up a blank thing to, to try to get us off the course here exactly the corporate shills are out and they're working against us well it wouldn't be the first time i have to admit exactly exactly you're starting to see the light um well um since we're already at the turtle club scene uh does anyone else have any big theories i mean this is probably the crux of our conversation here because yeah chris what you got um i mean this one was a was actually a tough nut to crack. Um, yeah, I think part of it could be that uh, Pistachio is uh, on his deathbed, and this is his final his final trip into the simulation. Okay. This this actually this scene and um, the cherry pie man scene actually led to my second theory, mm. which is that this whole movie. Even though he doesn't seem like it, uh, he this is actually all about Barney Baker's perception of reality. <laughs> so even though we don't see him for a lot of the movie, and he's kind of a side character throughout, we're actually the reason why everything doesn't quite add up is that we're seeing a child's eye perspective of the world around him, especially in a I guess as we've suggested in a post nine eleven world where his. Uh, reality has been broken he doesn't really know what to believe so when he hears like oh my mom is going with that weird business guy to the turtle club he thinks like oh it's a club where turtle 
people are going and then like uh you know like all these different things that like don't quite add up or don't make sense or don't follow logic is because we're literally seeing through the prism of a young innocent child trying to make sense of a world that is uh exceeding him now because nothing is stable or makes sense in a post 9-11 new york city that's a good point because i don't think uh, we ever have a disguised pistachio and Barney in the same scene together, do we? Uh, no, we do not. So Barney hears the name Pistachio Disguises. He's like, oh, his last name is Disguises. That must mean he wears disguises. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, um, in real life, Pistachio is just like an insurance adjuster. <laughs> and he doesn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. just He just works at his dad's restaurant. You were, yeah. His um, dad actually died. Uh, his parents like died in some tragic incident, oh. potentially nine eleven, and he just thinks like, "Oh, they got kidnapped," oh. and uh, you know, the skyzy Papa, the skyzy is being saved by his his son Pistachio, when actually it's uh, the truth is a lot sadder. It's like an extremely loud or incredibly close situation. Yeah, I like it. I may not like it, but it makes sense. All right, uh, Dan, what did- do you have to say about this? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I just, I was just, um, I, I turned to a different page of my notes here. I, I couldn't find my, my notebook last night, so I used one of those um, uh, small vertical uh, grocery store lists um, in an emergency. So I've got uh, a few here okay. um, that I missed. Um, so I was, I, I uh, had a little bit of the of the devil's lettuce last night. Naturally. Naturally. And so it, I'll just re-off what I what I wrote here, uh, matrix simulation. And then I wrote more disguises equals more energy for the simulation. And then I wrote, that's why cherry pie man is so well known in the world. And then I wrote, that's why he has songs. So, (laughs) although I do, I do actually, (laughs) I need some clarification on the last two notes. Oh, so, I mean, I mentioned this before where, you know, he's dressed as Cherry Pie Man and the guard's like, hey, it's Cherry Pie Man. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, again, we, we talked about, like, it's not a Cherry Pie Man. It's, oh. it's the <laughs> yeah. Cherry. It's like the, a superhero. It, it's the Cherry. Like, uh, <laughs> well, Cherry also, Pie Man is an established yeah. it's entity. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, also, I think that that uh, adds my theory in that, like, from a kid's perspective, that that isn't that weird. Like, oh, there would just be a man that's, yeah, in, exactly. that's in a Cherry Pie. Uh, he shoots, uh, you know, cherries at people, and then like a gun almost. Yeah, it's like Barney. Uh, his his binder at school is is adorned with uh, drawings of of his favorite superhero that he came up with, Cherry Pie Man. Hmm. And that's I like it. yeah. it's because that was the last thing that his parents made for him before they died. Jeez. Uh, what about the songs? Um, if you have three songs. About being a master of disguise. Oh, why the master of disguise has three songs. Yes, yeah, that's... that's oh, it. I thought you were saying that's why Cherry Pie Man is so well oh. known, and that's why Cherry Pie Man has, <laughs> That's why I was laughing so cherry, much. I was like, what? The Cherry Pie Man theme. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, if, if you got three master of disguise songs, uh, how is that not a simulation? Yeah, that's fair. But I do actually prefer Will's uh, take on that, where uh, it's... Pistachio is not a master of disguise. He's just a dude. And Barney has his idealized. Because, you know, when uh, Sophia knocked over the uh, sign with her uh, enormous caboose. Her tush. um, Barney, 
he he hits the sign and, and falls right. That's he, that's what. Yeah. He he uh, hits it with a skateboard, and that's the inciting incident um, for Pistachio to meet him. I like it. Uh, how do you feel about all this, Dale? So you managed to crack the second level of the iceberg. <clears throat> all right. Second level of the iceberg is well. The cherry pie man is actually Pistachio's birth into the real world. Oh, good lord. Oh, like the Matrix whenever he wakes up. Oh, you haven't seen the Matrix. Okay. I don't know what that uh, is. Right. So, okay. it's his birth. We are all contained in pies, and out we go. Because, as you know, the world is run by the Illuminati, who are, well, lizard people. Let's be real here. Mm-hmm. And then, you always see the all-watching eye throughout the film as like a scene transition and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Seemingly, seemingly Illuminati. 100% yes. So, going off of this, uh, I, you, you'll uh, forgive me, my old age, it's, uh, my memory might be a little jargoned. I thought you said you were 30. I said I was at least 30. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, so, he, 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 he asks in the Turtle Club if he's turtly enough for the Turtle Club after the birth with the cherry pie scene, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Turtle no. Club happens before the cherry pie scene. Yeah. Well, then, all right, let me rework this a little bit. His birth, after asking, is he turtly enough to be accepted by the lizard people themselves mm-hmm. while he ascends into his true reptilian form, which happens to be a turtle? Well, mm-hmm. it could also be like. Um, you know, in the womb, you know, the the baby, when it's ready to be born, uh, yes. has to, you know. So if he asks if he's turtle enough for the turtle club, is that like a way of Pistachio kind of confirming that he's ready for the world before he's born out of the cherry pie? Exactly. He is okay. asking permission to be born. To enter stage well, left. Okay. I think there's also some credence to that in that, like, when we before we see the cherry pie scene, the last thing we see is uh grandpa in this like big floating bubble head which is very reminiscent of like you know faces we see on dollars and the illuminati and all this stuff so when that bubble pops you know that that's what that's the simulation yes. popping and then this is the cherry is like the rebirth as uh dale was breaking up like that's like him becoming a new with his new reality exactly 100 percent exactly gentlemen we're on the cusp of greatness here 100% on the cusp. We can go still so much deeper. So much deeper. I'm not even going to bring up about how uh, they make fun of the uh, the uh, Texas man, right? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that was a, a, a bright source of comedy. You know, southern people are, are funny and talk funny. Exactly, 100%. And it, it almost sounds like that they, they talk down on Southern people, almost as if it's the elite, you know, kind of saying that like, a, oh, I don't know, a, a law or something in Texas has it should have been passed recently. I don't know, but skirting around or something. It's just throwing out some balls here. <laughs> All right. Oh, geez. Um, well, that, that actually leads into a question I had for you, Dale, uh, which is like, so the movie rather curiously ends uh, i guess formally speaking 
with uh, Pistachio as George W. Bush beating up our villain with the Constitution in hand. Uh, do you think that's some sort of like government propaganda thing going on there, or do you think that's just coincidental? 100% it is government propaganda. Personally, I loved W. I loved him so, so much. And sure. he shows that, well, first of all, with how deep it goes, I actually think Dana Carvey is W. Oh, boy. So he, you know, that's the disguise within a disguise. It's a like disguise within a disguise. disguise. He's Pistachio as W, but he is, Dana Carvey is also George W. Bush. In real, so it's like three or four layers there. Exactly. I could be Dana Carvey and I might not even know it. <laughs> yeah, wow. so deep into character, you just don't know. Exactly. But, or do you think Dana Carvey is just like, like a, um, like a code name for like, being like in like you know whatever like blue pilled or whatever well i guess that's another matrix reference that you wouldn't get no no i've taken a couple blue pills before they work oh okay Um, yeah that's that's okay fair enough (laughs) oh let's see here yeah yeah i know i can see i can see that you know he 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 is in est all of us and we are him yeah yeah Oh, also, uh, I have my grievances with the, with the, uh, yeah, he beats him up with the, the Declaration of Independence, correct? Sorry, Declaration, yes, uh, I thought it was a constitution, but. Well, I do have my grievances with that piece of legislature, but let's not get oh, okay. into it at this time. Sure. Um, but yes, I could, I could 100% see it. All right, fair enough. Um, Matt and Chris, do you have any other questions for Dale? Uh, I don't think so. We, okay. we covered a lot. Uh, yeah. Dale, do you have any other stray thoughts before we uh, start to wrap up this show? So, yes, I actually have uh, two more stray thoughts. Uh, number one, going back to the Turtle Club and him saying it 18 yes. times. Yes. Um, if you times that by 100,000, you get exactly how many uh, uh, popular votes George B. McClellan got in that sham of the second election against Lincoln. Wow. And this one, well, it's not so much about the Turtle Club, but if you take the run time, then you add the gross earnings to it, that gives you 107. And that is how long it took for the towers to fell. So it's all, you're you're suggesting that this whole movie is about being a simulation and they're hinting it to us by dropping in secret references to 9-11. Exactly, 100%. Uh, I mean, it seems plausible. Yeah, I was going to also ask you, slightly off topic, but not. um, There's a scene here that that kind of uh, brings some of your theories to question, which is with the pistachio praying to God with a cannoli, um, requesting, like, or theorizing potentially like a higher power, like, like some. What do you have to make of that scene? Well, there are three things you do not talk to me about and make a lot of. One is religion, the second one is Italian cooking, and the third one is specifically Dana Carvey. Okay, so... Mm. All three of these cement that, yes, there is a higher power, yes, they can be tempted with cannolis, and yes, Dana Carvey is our prophet. But also, he, he mocked God's voice, so he can hear God. Prophets speak the word of God, will you? Okay, fair enough. Um, 
yeah. So, uh, do you anything else there, Dale? I mean, I, I imagine you're you're a busy man, so I don't want to keep you if you have to go somewhere. Oh no, I can stay on here for a couple, couple more right. hours, and oh God, they found me. Oh God, what? Oh found God, you. they found me. No, get off of Get off the lawn. No, no. Um, uh, Dale. Dale? I think we lost Dale. Oh, man. Hope Dale's okay. Uh, don't He's quite know how he got into the chat, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I wasn't paying the phone bill. Yeah, I figured you invited him. I know. I, well, that's a question for another day, or another episode, maybe. Uh, well, do we have any other uh, conspiracy theories, I guess? Uh, I mean, we, 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 we really uh, cracked a nut here, as Dale mentioned. Um, but do you have anything else to say, Chris or Matt? I don't think so. All right. No. At one point I wrote, um, is Grandpa Disguisey God? But that didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, I was going to... One of my questions I... Here, here's what we can do. I had a question that I didn't have a theory for, and we can use Chris's okay. response as the answer, which is, how does Grandpa know that Fabrizio was even kidnapped? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's a good enough explanation <laughs> that he's <Okay>. God. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one straight thought I had that doesn't connect to anything or have any evidence is that uh, because I'm watching The Sopranos right now, I like to think this movie also takes place in the Sopranos universe. Uh, <laughs> okay. With him. Uh, any other thoughts in general, just like real quick, not related to conspiracy theories or anything that we got from watching the movie this month? Uh, just one thing. When Sophia knocks over the sign with her butt, uh, there's a lady sitting at the the table. Yes. There's like an mm-hmm. enormous yes. cross necklace. <laughs> I never noticed. And she kind of looks. Around, she like looks over at, at the action and then just kind of looks back at like I don't know. Her reaction to the sign falling down is just really, really funny. Yes, and I clocked that that her reaction was weird. Yeah, and it, but she's got she's like she's like wearing this big cross necklace. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's got to be something there, but I just thought that was really funny. That that definitely stood out to me this time. Uh, one thing. Um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say go. um, one note I took this time. Uh, so I feel like the um, continuity on cuteness is kind of confusing. Oh, it's all over the place. Because, like, in the beginning of the film, like, cuteness runs after Mama Disguisey and Papa Disguisey. And it's implied that he might be missing because Grandpa was like, where would they take your Mama, your Papa, and the cuteness? But then, like, cuteness mm. is just, like, showing up throughout the movie with Barney and all that. So, like, I, I'm i kind of confused. I don't know if that adds to conspiracy theory or not. But, like, what's, like... Cuteness is like missing, but not missing. Maybe he died, and know. people are like just still imagining him. Okay. Well, he does talk at the end of the film, which would imply that he is maybe like a uh, a ghost dog. Yeah. I like it. Um, I did. I had a theory that I never really got to get into, uh, and I don't think we really need to dig too much because we're going late. But I th- I <laughs> I wrote down. Brent and Rex are the same person and are a different branch, like a different family of Master of Disguises that like <laughs> has a rivalry to the Disguisey family. Feud- feuding houses of yeah, Disguise. Ex- exactly. Because, I mean, there's there's no way this is the only family. I mean, there's got to be different branches of them. Well, surely that's what and, the sequel oh, maybe, would have dived into. It could just be two two families and uh, uh, Rex and... Um, and uh, Trent? Is it Trent? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brent. Brent. Uh, they're the same guy. 
in different disguises. I like yeah, that was my thought that they, and, and especially because they're both in the same scene. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I I was gonna say that that's my uh, pitch for the reboot of Master Disguise. That it's like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where it's two oh, families yes. of master disguises. Uh, like they have like a feuding rivalry, but like the two, whoever like Pistachio's son, and then yeah. whoever like the the woman would be, like they they have like this like taboo romance, but they use their powers of master disguise to like cement their romance. But you mm-hmm. know, yeah, so that's that's my pitch for a reboot of Master Disguise. Oh my god, I have one more. I actually I forgot to write this down, but I was at work and I was like, I'm totally gonna talk about this on Sunday. <laughs> Um, Master Disguise is a prequel to The Cobbler. Yes. I, I haven't seen The Cobbler, so like, I can't. The, 100%. Absolutely. Adam yes. Sandler is like a shoemaker, and then different pairs of shoes he puts on um, turn him into people, different people. Oh. It's it's freaking wild. Now, the thing is, this is, this is, what, this is the real, um, this is what cements it for me, Will. You don't make uh, the Oscar-winning... Best Picture um, uh, Spotlight and The Cobbler in the same year. Unless you've got an agenda with the latter. That makes sense. I mean, I I, I think a lot of people were taken aback by uh, Tom McCarthy making those two movies together, but I agree with you. I think there's probably more in common there than people are giving credit. Wait, the same guy worked on both of those? The same director. Same director. Oh my god! Yeah, so he Tom McCarthy movie. in the same year he made the, he made Spotlight, which is a, a devastating and very well made. <laughs> oh, it's incredible! Yeah. Best picture winner. And then in yeah. the same year he also made this uh, very awful Adam Sandler comedy, <laughs> where he uh, uh, every pair of shoes he wears turns him into a different person. <laughs> yeah, and then the end sounds like a parody of an Adam Sandler movie, right? And then, like, it sounds like a parody of this movie specifically, right? And it, it gets better. Like, it, it this is kind of a spoiler, but at the very end, it oh, turns okay. out that um, Adam Sandler is part of a long line, a bloodline of of this mm. organization that turns into different people. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you with go. The, you know, with the shoes. That's the other branch. Yeah. That's yeah. There so, you go. in this theory, if if they're part of the same cinematic universe, where does that put Holy Motors, which is another film about actors kind of becoming and assuming other people? Uh, Holy Motors is a movie within the universe. Okay, so that's like a movie they would like, like how like Kill Bill is a movie within the Tarantino universe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Holy Motors is like another film, and then Master Disguise. Okay, I like that. Yeah. All right, I think that's all I got. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, well, thanks to Dale. Uh. I hope. Yeah. He's okay. I hope he's all right. Dale, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you, bud. Yeah. Um. And uh, thank you too, guys, for joining me once more on this. Fine Always happy to podcast, oh, yeah. and uh, I think that's gonna have to to do it. So I'm Will. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. And remember, kids, it ain't ogre till it's ogre. All right, bye everybody. Bye bye. Do we get paid for this? So much to do, so much to see, 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 so much to do, so much to see. You are not welcome here. You and you get off.